Well, then let's go on to day two study. So what is the reason for Paul's godly jealousy in verses 2 and 3? What does he said? He wants to present them what? To Christ as pure, right. Uh, but he fears that what's happening to them, what? They're being led astray from that sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What is their response to the teaching that might be leading them astray? Verse, end of verse 4, what does it say? They're putting up with it easily enough, yeah. What does Paul say about himself in verses 5 and 6? Verse 5, what, did you, what does he say? Yes, he has knowledge, right. Did anybody look any of those words up? Mine says uh, un, he's not a trained speaker, I think. He's unskilled, un, untrained, yeah. That word that's used there is idiot, I-D-I-O-T-E-S. Yeah, but it didn't mean like what we would consider idiot today. It meant unlearned, illiterate, or unskilled. So it must have been something that they were using against him. He's not trained like we are, something like that. But he has knowledge, yeah. And then what does he say? And in, in, uh, he, he calls them super apostles. And Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, those super apostles, quote, unquote. Yeah. What did Paul do while in Corinth that was opposite of expectations? He didn't take money for it. Yeah. Who took care of his financial needs? Other churches, especially the Macedonians and especially the Philippians. Um, that church really supported him a lot. What will he continue to do? Verse 9, not be a burden to them. What does he declare about his feelings for them? He loves them. Yes. He served and planted a church without making that church support him while he was planting it. He was like missionaries do today. They raise money here so that they can go on the field and give the gospel free, right? Okay. Do you, is that good? Do you get, if they decided that they wanted to give it out of their just goodness of their heart, he probably would have taken it. But he wasn't going to charge them. That's right. He's not going to be using them for money. Why will Paul keep on doing what he is doing? In verse 12, what does it say? Yes, and he's going to do what for them? He's going to do what to them? Cut the ground out from under them. Um, that means like cut off their base of operations, you know, so they'll kind of sink. That's what it means, you know, so they don't have that to stand on. The, if you looked at translations, the different translations for that, what did yours say, Kimberly? You read that yours claiming to be like him. Undermine their claims. Okay, anybody else? A different translation than the NIV? And New Living Translation said they boast that their work is just like ours. So he was, in other words, they must have been saying, well, we're just like Paul. You know, we're just as good as Paul and his team. We've, you know, we're using that, which I think is why he went into that long list of everything that he'd been through. <laughs> okay, you're just as good. Let's see. <laughs> okay, how does Paul describe the slanderers in verse 13? False apostles, what? Deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. So the, and who do these pretenders actually represent? Satan, right. Okay, did anything else grab your attention that I didn't cover? Let's go on to the next section. Paul's jealousy was in line with God's purposes. The false teachers were not only calling his um, apostolic authority into question, but they were leading the Corinthians astray from pure devotion to Christ. And this was serious. So contrast jealousy of someone with jealousy for someone. 
So it's more other-centered, right? You want the best for them. Yeah, that's so true. Yes, right. You know, and I mentioned that if you're a parent or you're a teacher or you've had influence over somebody else like you're discipling a new Christian, that's what you want them to have, that pure and sincere devotion to Christ, right? And if they get drawn away, you can have a godly jealousy for that. You know, so many uh, parents who've, who've watched their children uh, leave home and then go to college and then be pulled away by the peers who say, don't listen to your parents anymore or don't listen to Christ or don't believe any of that stuff anymore. And, you know, um, there's a place for anger at those who violate your children's purity in that way, their pure devotion to Christ. That's that godly jealousy, right? Okay, so what three distortions of teaching did Paul point out in 2 Corinthians 11.4? He said, a different what? Jesus, a different what? Spirit, a different gospel. And he uses the word if, but that word if is not conditional. In the original, it means that it happened. It's not hypothetical. It actually did have past reality. He, it happened. Um, and if you look at back at Galatians 1, he, he uses that same type of uh, wording when he talks to the Galatians about the Judaizers that had come in and said, you've got to follow the law of Moses in order to be a Christian. We're not sure exactly what these guys are teaching, but it could be a mix of something like that, you know, where there's some Judaizer stuff put in. How do you recognize whether someone is teaching a different Jesus spirit or gospel? Has to match the word of God. Oh, start with the truth and then add their own spin on it or their own idea. Good point. What else? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. The little red flag goes up. (laughs) I have a red flag. Does anybody have something like a little red flag? What else? The fruit. Yes. What it's producing. What kind of you know, fruit, is it going to be compromised with the world or holding on to the truth, right? Uh, what else? Their intentions. Sometimes it's hard to guess that, but you can look at maybe what they're trying to get out, right? Anything else? How about if what they can be questioned or not? I heard this at a, a conference I went to a week and a half ago. Leaders who can't be questioned end up doing questionable things. Someone who claims that they, they got it and they can't be questioned, chances are they're doing questionable things. Yeah. Okay. Any other comments about that? The whole fruit of it. Who has the power? Is it Jesus who has the power or the, or the teacher who has the power? That can certainly um, be gauged All right, one of the accusations against Paul centered around how he differed from the usual professional speakers who expected the listeners to pay for their wisdom. And so so when when you paid for a speaker, you kind of have control over that speaker, but that speaker also has control over you because you have pretty much given the check mark that we think you're smarter than we are. So was it wrong? Oh, and that last part is important. The Greek culture considered manual labor, such as Paul's tent making, to be lower class. So blue-collar work was menial, lower class, not highly respected. Was it wrong for Paul to preach the gospel free of charge? No. Uh, Top of page 128. What reason did Paul give for choosing to serve the Corinthians like that? 
What did he say? He said it twice. He wasn't going to burden them. Yes. Um, and how is what he did an application of Jesus' words in Mark chapter 10? Yeah, that's true. He understood it. He did. And God had said, I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my name. But that whole concept that Jesus talked about was the servant leader. It says the Gentiles were lords over them, you know, with authority, dictatorship. But in, in Jesus' church, leaders are to be servant leaders. How many times has Paul already said, my authority is used to build you up, not tear you down? So that's one way to re- recognize whether somebody is a good leader is how much are they serving you as opposed to how much are they clamping down on you and tearing you down. Now that scriptural, scriptural insight, Paul's principle was similar to what we do today in missionary church planting. But when you have a, a settled pastoral ministry, he taught that you paid the teaching elders. It was okay then when you had a settled church. Okay, Uh, discuss verses 13 through 15. What is said about those masquerading as servants of righteousness and how can you identify them? So it said they're false, deceitful, and they're masquerading, which means they're actors, right? They were uh, playing Mardi Gras every day. How can you identify them? Because they probably didn't look evil by what they're teaching, which kind of goes back to what we discussed earlier. What else? Yeah, if they're calling themselves super apostles, that would be a clue. What about, what if, they, if you feel like they're pretending to love you, but you realize they're taking advantage of you? Maybe always a handout. Yeah, the showiness. It does, you recognize it, right. By the ego, yes. Uh, in the same way that Paul saw, if they try to separate you from those who have had influence over you, you know, they're trying to separate you, that's a red flag. Unless it's really bad influence. I mean, if you've had really bad influence. Okay, what? They were definitely using them. Yes, so you're manipulating by fear and guilt, which is what legalism does. Great. Um, Though not a trained speaker, what does Paul say he had? Knowledge. So he had the knowledge of God. Why is this more important than presentation? There's depth to it. Okay. That has substance. It's the truth. That's right. Powers from God and not from them. Yes. Uh, and remember in our memory verse, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And that treasure comes right after the verse that says, God has placed the light of the knowledge of him in our hearts. That's the treasure. So I heard somebody say, when you try to be too clever with words, you can empty the cross of its power. And that is true. If you, let's say you, you may be hearing somebody speak, and maybe they read a Bible verse and then give you 30 minutes of their own words trying to man- manipulate or whatever. So that, that is true. Yes. You know, it's okay to have good presentation skills and... We live in a world today that highly values the dazzle, doesn't it? Because of video and all that stuff. And it's okay to have dazzlers as long as they're doing, as long as they're preaching the word and pointing you to depend on God more than themselves. Right? 
Yeah, and the way they did it in, in, in the, the, those Roman cities, they would have in the Roman um, agora, which is the marketplace, the, the tent makers with all the different mar vendors would have their, their stalls on the, on the sides. So people would be walking by them all the time. So it would be like they were part of the community and you would see them at work and they were just regular, ordinary people. And that's how he presented himself. He really did. Okay, so uh, we're going to, the question number 10 is an interesting question. It's okay to prepare and refine your skills and talents, especially as you want them to be used for God's purposes. Would you say that Paul was successful at what he did? Would you say he was a professional at what he did? Yeah. Uh, was he an excellent writer? Yes. Would he, he was probably a, a very gifted teacher too. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, but even he, in his strengths, lived in dependence on Christ in using those strengths. So that's what that question is about. And we're running out of time, so we're going to move on um, to the next section. But it's a good thing to think about. You know, in your work, are you giving over those strengths, your professional work, the things that you're great at, are you giving those over to Christ? for him to be able to use you and, and even make those better and more productive in your life. One question to ask, even in your best work, your professional achievement, your giftedness, are you living in self-sufficiency or God dependency? You can ask that about anything, but especially those things that you're very gifted at and good at. That's where we have a tendency to live in self-sufficiency, the things that we're good at, right? And God takes those things that we're good at, he makes them better for his glory.